Hello, and welcome to Daughters Who Dare. Join me, Erin, your host, and my lovely guest as we dive deep into what it means to be a child of a narcissistic parent. While each episode covers a different subject, know that every episode will be crammed with honesty, humor, and hope. So sit back and relax. Let's do this. So for today's episode, I'm here with my lovely guest, Beth. Hi. (laughs) Okay, so what I want us to do to start today is to imagine that you're getting ready for a first date. Now, I know we've all done this, but some of us, it's been a hot minute (laughs) or or decades (laughs) since we've been in this situation, but I'll pretend. So getting ready for the first date, I think we all have been in that situation where what matters most in that moment is is that your hair looks good, Mm -hmm. your makeup's on point, that you feel comfortable in whatever outfit you've chosen. And if you're like me, I would always have not written down, but a mental list of conversation topics to avoid those awkward silences. So like, of course, getting ready, those are the things that seem to matter. But dare I say, does any of that really matter in the bigger scheme of things? Because the amount of time and effort we put in into that first impression or that first date. At the end of the day, if that's all going to work out, if you end up seeing each other again and end up being in a relationship, eventually you're going to be seeing each other at your worst. You know, the bedhead and the, the bad morning breath and all those things, a bad outfit or whatever it might be, or no makeup, you know, all those kind of things. <laughs> Yikes. So, I think it's important at this point that I give a little side note because I am living proof that that's how I can dare say that it doesn't really matter because at the ripe old age of 28, I met my husband on a charity trip to Romania and honest to God, it makes me laugh just thinking about it because it couldn't be further from what I just described for your first date. At that point, we hadn't showered in days. I was wearing the same clothes for days on end, Mm -hmm. no makeup, my nails weren't done. And let me just add to that, that it was the middle of the summer. Pretty. So here I am, you know, if, if I was planning on meeting anyone, which I wasn't, but it happened that within two days of knowing one another, yes, you heard that correctly. Two days, he asked me to marry him. True story. So basically what I'm saying in my cute little side note is that I can dare say it doesn't really matter. I didn't need to be ready because it happened even though some might say, I wouldn't say I was at my ugliest, but I was definitely at my most vulnerable. And not done up for sure. But back to the subject at hand. I mean, time, there are times in life that we do need to be ready. We do need to be prepared, or at least to a certain level. For instance, job interviews, or you're ready for your driver's test, or giving birth because you have no choice. I mean, I laugh when I've watched some programs and the women are like, I don't want to go through this anymore. And you're thinking, yeah, no, <laughs> you have no choice, love. It's happening now. But with those examples, it's different because unlike that first date, you don't just want to be ready. You need 
to be ready. So mm-hmm. those those two words, the want and need. So what about this podcast? Where does that go? Which list do I put that in? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was a mix of both. I wanted to be ready and I needed to be ready. And I'm going to explain basically what that means because over the past year, although once I realized that I really wanted to do this podcast, I'm not going to lie. The excitement has just grown the passion. There are some days I just feel like I'm skipping about a a foot off the ground. I'm so excited. But in the mix of all of that, Of course, there's going to be fear and worry and gosh, this is huge what I'm putting out into the universe. (laughs) But at 58 years old, I realized I'm ready to do this. I not only want to do it, I need to do it. Mm -hmm. Having said that, what are the real obstacles, hurdles, fears that held me back? Why might I not be ready? Well, that list could be as long as my arm. So I had to really sit down and think about it and prioritize some of the things that probably came to the forefront of my mind when I thought, what are the reasons that I could have easily just said, yeah, do you know what? It's a great idea. It's something I should do, but no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I can understand why many people would say, no, thank you. Because it isn't a nice topic. (laughs) You know, it's not something that people are queuing up to make podcasts about. Because for a lot of people, it just would make them uncomfortable. And and that's just the truth of it. It's just not, you know, like if I if I said to people, Oh, I've decided I'm going to do a podcast. And it's all about skincare or how I chose to be a vegan or which I haven't, by the way, (laughs) or, you know, this is my fashion advice for people. I think a gazillion people would tune into something like that because everybody can relate to that. This, however, not so relatable for so many people. Thank God. Thank God for that. Yeah. 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 Lucky you. Lucky you. So for me, I think the first thing that came to my mind was I didn't always want to talk about it. And that might seem odd to some people because especially the people who know me know that I can talk for days and days and days. Mm -hmm. But there's something about this part of my life, which does, it's not just a part that I can take away from. It does definitely thread into other areas of my life. Of course, it's going to because of relationships, you know, it's going to affect how I parent. It's going to affect how I relate to my husband. It's going to affect how I trust or don't don't trust other people generally. So I had to learn how to read all over again. But this time I wasn't reading letters and words. I had to learn how to read the room. So who really wants to hear about my narcissistic mother and her impact on my life? I It has really been an interesting journey for me. And I think that is especially true because when I moved to England 30-ish years ago, I literally, besides my new husband, I had zero friends. So I had to basically start from scratch because in those days, it was about a pound a minute to ring America. So I had to 
very sparingly pick up my phone to ring anybody on the other side of the pond. I was literally sending air mail letters, which <laughs> took a, let- a week to get over there. And then yep. of course you have to wait to see if somebody wanted to respond. And if they did, it was another week to come back. So I really didn't have a network or a support group or a community here when I began my married life. And so I had to hand select and really start from scratch. So it took a long, long time to build up my own chosen family, my Mm -hmm. own sense of community. And so if you're building up this new found community, why would I want to spoil or dampen or throw negativity into the ring about my family. Because in some ways, Beth, and I think you're going to appreciate this. I think one of the biggest gifts that I have been given in my life is a sense of starting over. Now it's not in the literal sense because I couldn't leave all of this that we're going to be talking about behind, but by starting over, it meant I was anonymous. Like nobody knew my history. I had a clean sheet. It wasn't like when I went to the grocery store, (laughs) I was bumping into people that I was friends with in high school. (laughs) You know, and that, that to me is a gift like that. Nobody knew me. So I could choose, do I wish to share this chapter, that chapter, or do I just keep it to myself? But as I began to grow, these relationships started to deepen. I really felt that I could trust certain people to disclose these darkest, deepest chapters of my life. That's when I really had to start learning how to read the room. Yeah. Because I don't know, I think it's that whole being a child of a narcissist, the whole time I'm second guessing, like as I'm saying the words, I know they're true. Yeah. But are they going to believe me? Are they going to wonder like, did she do something to deserve this? Like, my God, what kind of a child were you that she was treating you this way? So what would you have to add to that? I would say that it's by design that a narcissist, it's part of the game to get you into a place within yourself where you don't trust yourself enough you don't believe yourself you're second guessing memories that you know for a fact happened but still they've got into your head to the point where you're like hmm did did i remember that right like is that actually how it happened like you're asking yourself the questions that they pose to you when they're you know doing their thing I think that was very common with people like us that have kind of dealt with it especially off our parents because it means that the very people that should be reinforcing your self-worth and you know everything else when they're not doing it where else are you meant to look how can you trust yourself because if the two people that are meant to love you and care for you and trust you the most done where does that leave you and I think part of it too I 100% agree with you and I think part of it too is the fear of not wanting to turn people away oh that too. like you know that if you tell them these things that they'll treat you the same yeah oh yeah and, gosh, and plus yeah. I didn't want people then whether to reject me which is a huge huge fear along with the trust Like when you're telling them these things, you're thinking, gosh, you know, are they going to be then second guessing or questioning my intentions or that I'm being genuine or sincere 
because this has happened to me in the past. And I think it is the fear. Like there's the fear of the rejection, the fear of losing somebody because you have put this out into the universe. And once it's out, you can't get it back. You know, once words are said and heard, they can't be unheard. You know, and so I think that's part of it too. It's like, it makes it more real for me if I'm speaking it out loud. Whereas if I'm keeping it to myself, I can just, in a sense, compartmentalize it, which, you know what I mean? Like just keeping it to myself. But I I just thought, okay, so the first one about not wanting to talk about it. The second one that came to my mind was these aren't the proudest chapters of my life. And it's not like, even when I say some of these things, (laughs) I just feel like I need to clarify to the listener. It's not like every time I sit down on the sofa with friends, I think, oh, right, today I want to talk to them about my narcissistic mom. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm keen no. or eager or can't wait for a setting. I mean, it came up organically, just like, you know, the conversations we are having yeah. are non scripted, organic conversations. But having said that, it's like there are times it just felt right. And, and whether it's yeah. because, you know, we were in the right setting. We like, I just think of my one friend, it was often when we were traveling abroad together, we would have these time slots where it was literally just the two of us, Mm -hmm. no distractions, none of the normal distractions of, Oh, I need to go get dinner ready or, Oh, I need to go pick so-and-so up from, you know, dance lessons or whatever. It gave us like a very concentrated time to get to know each other at a deeper level. So were you driving around a lot together? Were you sat next to each other oh, driving? Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're yeah. they're my favorites, yeah. <laughs> this is something that I learned off a social worker when I was very young, that she says that she, and she did it with me a lot before she even told me what it was, but speaking to someone while you're in the car, not looking at each other is one of the best things for being able to openly talk about something that might be a bit heavy or might be a bit upsetting, a lot upsetting. People seem to find it easier. I think it's the no contact thing. You still sat with them, but it's the no eye contact. And it makes me laugh because as a parent, they have to be some of my most favorite. And I I think you and I had talked about this one other time and you actually, I'm going to give you credit for it because you came up with the word mm-hmm. conversations and I think that is such a brilliant <laughs> brilliant word I'm not going to take credit because you came up with it but I think for me as a parent some of the heaviest deep, deepest conversations I had with my three children yeah. especially as they got older Mm-hmm. I was so grateful yeah. for the conversations because like you say, I think it's the fact that although we were in close proximity, we weren't looking into each other's eyes. Yeah. But this is why when I had sadly a car accident in one of my favorite cars and it got totaled, I said to people, it's it's not the car, the literal car that I'm going to miss. It's the fact that in a sense, it was a memory box. Like there were so many precious memories of these deep conversations that happened within, like, you know how people often say, if these walls could talk, same thing about this car. It was like, there were so many beautiful deep and the tears that were shed in that car. I um, I just wish I could have bottled all of that up, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. That is very much true. So yes, not the proudest. And 
I'll give you an example of that too, about not being the proudest, because when I say the, the two words that we've already talked about before, no contact, I am met with such awkward silence. Mm -hmm. And do you know what part of it is? And this, I will have to laugh and say it out loud. It's as if the prayers from my soul have already started <laughs> again. Yeah, Cause I say eyes. no contact and they're thinking, Oh my God, she's going to hell because you know, I'm choosing Rather than, you know, building the bridge or mending the fences accepting or all these abuse, other... let's just say, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. you know, pretend words for accepting abuse. Yeah. And, oh, why don't you just go back to the person that's... I was uh... going to say, what they should call, like, mending fences, it should just be called going back for more. Yeah. Like, literally going <laughs> back for seconds. You know, do the whole Oliver story. More, please, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, serious. <laughs> So like that is an example of itself because yeah. the minute I use those words, I like almost wait for the comeback that I get. Even from the kindest, most well-intentioned people, I just think, are you kidding me? Why would I <laughs> want to go back for more? But it's because they don't understand. Don't, it's yeah. not, you know, that they want me to have more pain inflicted upon me, but they just don't get it really. Yeah. Okay. So that was one and two. I think the third thing that came to my mind was a very real thing and it's still happening mm -hmm. I would have to say that I lost more people than I found yeah, through this process oh, I don't mean mm -hmm. in general in life but most days I would say that that's true because the amount of family especially as they decide I don't know why but they decide to quote unquote take sides yeah. and join as we talked about the other day you were calling it the invisible army is that yeah, what it was called it is, yeah. you know so you know as they choose to take sides with the narcissist even though i don't feel that it's a matter of who needs to take sides it, um, it should be stood standing with the truth it shouldn't be who is in which corner or who is on what side it should be where is the truth and stand in that yeah let's be honest it's almost as if the people around the narcissist don't want to be in the same position as you though so yeah. it's genuine fear of well i need to you know agree with the narcissist so that i don't get this because that is a completely valid i'm not saying it's right but yeah, yeah. i understand that response like it's so funny because as you're even saying that because i'm such a visual person i'm literally imagining being in the ocean and God help me in the deep waters. <laughs> and I can imagine me being circled by a shark, like no joke. Yeah. And the narcissist and all the other people in the family would rather swim over to her or him, if that's your situation mm -hmm. and let me experience the shark. Like, let me oh, have yeah. to deal with the shark because they don't want to be like you were just saying, they don't want to be in the same situation. They don't want to be in the fire. They'd rather line. I yeah. be attacked and eaten and shredded and yeah. whatever dismembered by that shark, because at least they live a sweet and easy life. I was going to say, yeah, cause that's kind of my experience. I had other children that were the same around the same age as me being treated so much better, but they knew we'd have discussions about it. And they'd say like, this is weird. Obviously we didn't have in-depth conversations conversations about it we'd just mention it here and there oh that was a bit weird that they said this or why why are they treating you like that or why did they say that or why did they bring up that up because oh, it takes me back instantly yeah. it does it yeah. takes me straight back to it and yeah. i'm like i think that it's easier for them to turn their head or avert their eyes because i would think that once you know someone is being hurt 
and let's throw in our favorite word intentionally. I can't imagine as an empath alone, I cannot imagine witnessing somebody that I love being hurt intentionally and choosing to either stand with the narcissist or be a bystander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Be a a bystander who can just continue to allow it to happen. So what has happened is even before I started to stand up to the narcissist, just by surviving, it was enough for them to want to walk away or disown me in a way. And I don't mean literally back in the days they wouldn't disown me but just not want to stand with me because it meant for them a much easier life, literally a much more simple and easy life because Mm -hmm. if they could please, and they weren't even the victims. So like they weren't even the targets is I guess the more appropriate word. They weren't a target of that abuse. So how much easier is that for them to turn away? Yeah. You know, they didn't have the shark biting on their leg all the time. Oh, so that's the thing though, yeah. And especially with me being a lot younger, what what could the other kids do? Absolutely nothing. They'd not be able to change anything. Then they'd probably get worse treatment in result of speaking up and saying And, and let's go back to the whole situation of it being your parents. And I can't even stand the word should, and I, I really can't stand it, but I'm going to use it in this yeah. instant. Like your parents, parents are the ones who are supposed to be protecting you and keeping you safe. Mm -hmm. And yet, how are you meant to tell your parents? Because it's the parents (laughs) who are the ones doing the abuse. abuse. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, and you can't tell teachers. No. So like you're in a situation where you're in this home where most often siblings and dare I say, the other parent often takes the easy way out and does the can't see, can't hear, don't oh. notice, don't know. Yeah. And here you are like the only person left for me to go to is the actual narcissist. Yeah. Well, lose, lose situation. But again, that is by design. It yeah. feels like they've got, they're in a perfect position to do whatever they want. And they're also the parent. Yeah. And I used to get told to my face, who are they going to believe? You or me? Yeah. I'm the parent. I'm yeah. always right. Yeah. Always the sentiment. Yep. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Um, let me think. So number four, I would say the reactions I get from people, including those who know me well, were reason enough for me to shut down altogether. Absolutely. Because I just think even after telling my story and sharing some of the ugliest pages, I can still experience from some of my dearest, dearest friends, sympathy, confusion, pity, and even... I can name them preaching by many, including those who've known me for decades. And it's because they're whatever, whether it's their institutionalized faith, uh, yes, or religion or their personalized faith, they're still trying to offer me these, you know, life savers of, but all you need to do is forgive or all you need to do is this as if all of their offerings are going to fix whatever it would is that, that has happened absolutely yeah. amazing that yeah. would have solved a lot of our problems and i think as a result of that i just and especially the older i get i have to be honest yeah the older i get the less i need 
to share. And I think that part of that is because I have resolved a lot of it within myself. I haven't yeah. resolved it on in the real world and the real sense of things because I can't change <laughs> the narcissist. But I think because I've done such a, an extensive amount of healing and understanding within myself yeah. and able to, and I'm able to believe me, mm -hmm. all those kind of things that I have been working on and dealing with and processing for so many years yeah. has put me in a place where I have to be honest, like probably in my twenties and thirties, I would have paid people, not literally, mm -hmm. but paid people to sit down and listen to me and help me try to sort it out. Because I think that's just a natural thing. You, it was that whole sense of searching or looking for others who were going through oh, the absolutely. same thing I was so yeah. that you could just have that good old, I mean, it's so relevant now, the whole me too thing. Oh, I would have loved to have somebody say to me 20, 30 years ago, oh, I get it. I get it. This but, happened to me. Yeah, but I yeah. didn't. You know, yeah. I didn't at that point. So I get it. Like all those things that we've just discussed, all the hurdles, the obstacles, the reasons why I wouldn't have been ready to do this podcast yeah. are very, very real. And I'll give you one example. <laughs> this just stands out for me. Although I went no contact, this just shows my age, with my mother 36 years ago, yeah. she's still alive. So that alone is reason enough for me to not be ready. Yeah. You know, I could have easily said, I'll wait until she dies and then I'll start to talk about it. Yep, so but I me. might not have that luxury. Yeah. I might not have that opportunity. So I get it. The fear is real. I can't say that with big enough, bold enough capital letters. I, I just <laughs> exactly. can't. The fear is real. I get it. I get the trepidation. I understand the resistance. I appreciate the no thank yous. I understand why we're not saturated with this kind of podcast mm -hmm. or this kind of information. Because like when I decided to do this podcast, I could immediately write a list of names of people that I personally know yeah. very, very well who share similar stories to me. I mean, it, it could have been not their mother, but their father, their step parent, Mm -hmm. uh, wh whomever, like they, they've had the very, very similar experiences. So I was like getting all excited and I thought, Ooh, I'll ask them all I'll go through this list and I'll ask them to join me and to chat with me on this podcast, give them the opportunity to share their truths and to share their stories. And you know, naively, I expected them all to say yes. Mm -hmm. And that's not what happened. I got no more no's then I got yeses, yeah. actually. And that has nothing to do with age. That has nothing to do with the whole distance thing. Mm -hmm. Like some people might say, easy for you. You know, most of your family lives across the pond. Well, it has nothing to do with distance. There are some days that ocean feels like a teeny tiny drop of water. Mm -hmm. Has nothing to do with that. And even for some of these people that I was referring to, their parents are already deceased. So some might say, but surely they would want to be your guest. No. And I get it. I absolutely get it. And I think when I went through that list and got so many no's, a light bulb went off. And it, it's not like this great revelation because I already knew it. It just became brighter and, and more real. And that is, I might be ready, but they aren't. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm not judging that at all because not everyone's going to be ready at the same time. You know, I think of people 
older than me, like the generation above me. Yeah. And I think here I am saying at the beginning of the introduction of this podcast, you know, here I am at my age. Now I'm ready. What about the people in their 60s, 70s, 80s who've never, ever had the opportunity to discuss this? And even before that, to identify that this was their truth. Yeah. Some people didn't have, I mean, here I am saying, oh, we had no internet and we had no Google. And I, I didn't. But the people even before that, before me, would have had even less opportunity, I feel, to be able to say exactly what is that? What kind of behavior is that? Yeah. Or what kind of a childhood did I have to endure in order to become who I am today? Yeah, so I think why is this podcast so important to me and to all those people that I was just talking about? Yeah. And that is I wanted to create a safe space for anyone who can relate, whether you're ready or not. That's, I think, what's so important because I needed to be ready. You needed to be ready yeah. because we're prepared and willing for whatever reason. Because we're, we're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> but we're prepared to sit here and put our heart and soul on the line. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying that makes us any better than those who aren't able or willing to do it. It's just that we are. I was going to say, I'm not entirely sure that I am ready. I mean, for me, it's important, like you say, for people to... With the representation. Like, to have representation, I feel. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. I was thinking, I'm sure we're on the same line of thinking. With the fact that, especially being the child of a narcissist, to know that you are not the only one, and that it's so 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 common like there are so many people that have grown up with this kind of family life and home life and literally feeling like you are alone completely and i think that too is what's so different because nowadays with technology we are able to communicate God, didn't we all learn, especially during COVID, that you can communicate to people all around the world and connect with people for whatever reason. But that wasn't always the case. So like for me to sit here at my age and think, I, I really rarely knew anyone before I would say like in the last 10 years, I Mm. might've known one or two, but I I wouldn't have been able to even create that list if it hadn't been for maybe the last 10 years. And I think that's what it is about the representation. Like we keep talking about not being proud, not being the best moments of our life, wondering whether we you know, can read the room properly. All those things make a difference, bringing us to that sense of being ready or yeah. uh, wanting to actually admit that we are children of narcissists. But this representation is so important, but how far are people willing to go? And I get that a hundred percent. And that's why I think for me, I would love to say to the listeners tuning into this podcast, you're not going to be seen, you're not going to be heard, and you're not going to be recognized. Mm -mm. And that matters a lot. Like I want you as listeners to know that here we have created this safe space and no one needs to know that you've sat here and joined us. And I love that. I love that you can be one of us and one with us without having anybody else need to know that that to me matters a million percent. But on the flip side of that, the positive side as well is like I said, all the things that you won't, like you won't be seeing, you won't, but you will 
be affirmed, validated, and reminded that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Like that is just huge. Like you might be too afraid to even admit that you're a child of a narcissist. That's okay. You know, you might have admitted it. You might have labeled your parent as a narcissist, but you're not really ready to talk about it with friends or loved. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Wherever you are, we want you here. That's the important part. So let's go back to the beginning. We were imagining ourselves getting ready for our first date. Let's go back there. But before you go, I want you to stand in front of the mirror. I know scary thought, but this time the mirror isn't like all the other mirrors because when you look in this mirror, you see something other than your hair, your makeup, and your outfit. Instead, you see a reflection of yourself in the words that you hear, and you recognize the stories that are shared and the feelings that you had and that you are not alone. You don't need to look a certain way or be a certain way. You're ready. Whether you're ready or not, you're welcome here. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you'll join us for future conversations. In addition to this podcast, you can find me and the Daughters Who Dare community on all social platforms. Please feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at daughterswhodare at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, listen to your stories, and know your topic suggestions. I will respond to every message. I'm so grateful that you decided to come on this journey with me. Let's continue to dare together.